new day. Hallelujah. Glory be to God in your highest. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may take a seat. Amen. In case you're wondering what that's all about, you'll find out in a minute. Uh, but we welcome all of you to this service this morning. We thank God for his grace upon us. 21 days. And God has shown himself so mighty. He's blessed us with his word. He's enabled us by his spirit. And he's given us a promise that can never be removed from us. We're on our way somewhere. Amen. Hallelujah. We are going to be history makers in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Praise God. So just remember this next Wednesday, we're going to have the feast, the kingdom conversation. We're going to come together. We're going to dine. And there's not going to be any wine, but we pretend that there's wine. We're going to dine and fellowship together, talk to each other. And spend a few minutes just receiving your comments based on what God has been teaching us. Uh, answering some of the questions if you have them. If I can answer them. If I can't, I direct you to God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And receive your testimonies if there are any testimonies. Amen. Would you guys please adjust this mic? Amen. Praise God. So that's that. And now let's move to the book of John chapter 21. John chapter 21. Kamisa, it's good to see you. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Andrew, it's good to see you this morning. Can you just wave at us? Praise God. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us today. Hallelujah. John chapter 21. John 21. Oh, Father, we're just so full. Thank you so much for your blessings, for your goodness, for your kindness, for your mercies, for your faithfulness. Words are not adequate to describe who you are, what you are, how wonderful you've been. Thank you so much, not just for your visitation, but for making a habitation in us. We bless you for your word. You said the entrance of your word, it gives light and it brings understanding. And so, Father, we thank you for the understanding we are receiving. And along with that, we receive your wisdom. You said wisdom is the principal thing. That in all of our getting, we should get understanding along with And so, Father, we just honor you today. Holy Spirit, oh, you're so welcome. We delight in you so much. Thank you for being tangibly in our midst. Guide us in weeks and months to come. We listen to your voice. We appreciate you dearly. Thank you for every man and every woman that under the sound of my voice. You know where their needs are. You know the areas of their struggles. You know the challenges before them. As we've seen consistently in the book of John, God, you are for the underdog. You are for the man and woman in need. And so, Father God, we invite you into our business. Take charge. Take control. Bless your people. Establish them now and forever. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. John chapter 21. This is the last chapter from the book of John that we've been studying over the last 21 days. And uh, maybe for the next couple of weeks, we're going to uh, address and talk some more because there are so many things here that we were not able to cover during the 21 days of fasting, but we will do what we can. John chapter 21, verse 1 says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again. To the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter. Thomas called the twin. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee. The sons of Zebedee. And two others of his disciples were together. Let me just stop there for one second. Look at the group of people that's come together in that verse 2. Simon Peter, we're told. Thomas the twin. Nathaniel. And his sons of Zebedee. Just looking at that group, you can almost begin to imagine what these guys are up to. Simon Peter, you recall, a few days previously, had just denied the Lord Jesus. Thomas the twin 
was one who refused to believe that he had risen from the dead. Nathanael, and the Bible described him, just so you know who he is, of Cana of Galilee, was the one that asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And of course, the sons of Zebedee were the ones whose mother came to Jesus and wanted to say, you know what, we want special promotion. I want my sons who want to be promoted to the right and to the left. So, I'm sharing this with you so you can imagine now all these guys coming together. I'm not sure that too much good is about to happen. <laughs> Are you following me? Now, let me just back up a little bit so you can understand the issue with Peter and, uh, and the rooster and all of that stuff so we can carry everybody along. First of all, go with me to John chapter 13. Let's go back a little bit before we move forward. John 13, the last part of the chapter. In verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. But you shall follow me afterward. I think it's very, very instructive that we understand exactly what Jesus was telling him. He did not say he cannot follow him, period. He said, you just can't do it now. But afterward, you will. Okay? Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Oh, most assuredly, I said to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, we read that now. And if care is not taken, if we don't put the body of scriptures together, we immediately put a condemned label upon Peter. Please hear his heart. Jesus said, I'm going. Jesus is preparing his disciples for imminent departure. His crucifixion, his death. And Peter is saying, oh, master, anywhere you go, prison, death, I'm following you. I'm sold. I have a stake in this ministry. I have a stake in the kingdom. I'm following you wherever you're going. And Jesus said, Peter, you don't know what you're saying. I see your heart. You are sincere. You mean well. But you see, right now, you have not received the enablement to do what you're saying. Even though your intention is sincere, I can see that. I can see your sincerity. But you see, in order to do what you're saying you're going to do, you need much money of what you're saying. How many times have you and I made commitments, promises? We say we're going to be somewhere, we're going to do something, we're going to be something. We mean it when we're saying it, but the ability to do so and the enablement is lacking. And at the end of the day, we find ourselves uh, not being able to say or do what we say we're going to do because we don't have the wherewithal to make it happen. But, but let's go to Luke chapter 22. Let's look at another uh, version of this story to bring some clarity. Luke chapter 22, in verse 22, nope, verse 31, Luke 22, verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you. Why? That it may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, this is important. You need to get this little piece to understand John 21. This verse 32 is absolutely critical to your understanding what we're going to be talking about now. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Okay? But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. And then he said, I'll tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny me three times that you know me. So this puts this scene in proper perspective. The denial that we saw on the day of Jesus' arrest 
was not just a moral failure on the part of Peter's character. It was, in fact, a satanic move for which Satan asked for permission to destroy Peter, to cause his faith to fail, to cause his character to fail, to cause him to deny his master. Why? Why would Satan want to do that? Satan was intimately aware. He was there in Mark chapter 3 when God called this man to be with him and that he would send them forth to preach. So Satan was after Peter's integrity. If I can destroy him before he can start, the kingdom of darkness will remain intact. If I can mess, his, mess the man up, I get his message. In other words, if I can mess up the messenger, the message will lose his credibility. So from the outset, Jesus said, Peter, I know what's going on. Satan has come. Now, for you believers, you need to understand something. Satan cannot touch you. You saw it in the book of Job. He had to crawl up to God and say, God, please, can you allow me to touch Job, please? If you didn't believe that, Jesus, he said it now. Peter, you are not there, but Satan came. You are not aware of the conversation that went on when you were not there. Satan came and he came not because he had authority over you. He came begging for permission. People of God, you need to understand the devil. He's a created being. At best, he's a messenger. And he can only do what he's been permitted to do. And you need to understand that God loves you so much, he will never allow anything beyond which you are able to bear. It's not possible. Our unbelief empowers the devil. Jesus made a plan. He has come. And I'm sure, based on the context of this discussion, Jesus permitted him. But now, Jesus now said, I have prayed. I have prayed. I know I've permitted him to do some things, but I have prayed at the same time. That your faith will not fail. And I have confidence that my prayer will be answered. Why? Because when you return to me, now strengthen your brethren. That's the only bargain. You're going to be tried. You're going to be tested beyond your measure or your ability to withstand the test. However, I have prayed that your faith will not fail. Now, in that Luke chapter 22, verse 62, I think it's good to read that one verse. In verse 62 of Luke 22. So let me go there myself. Okay, good. That's, there it is. After Peter had denied Jesus three times. In fact, in that Luke account, the Bible tells us, after he had done it, that Jesus turned around and looked at him. Ha, Peter. Did you remember our conversation? He turned around. And looked at Peter, and Peter looked at him. And the Bible said, then Peter remembered what Jesus had said to him. And as a result of that, the Bible said, please go back to verse 62 for me. Thank you very much. As a result of that, the Bible says, so Peter went out and wept bitterly. Please put yourself in that situation for a second. He went out and wept bitterly. He didn't weep. He wept what? bitterly. You need to do it like that. That's the way. That's, that's how you know. Yes. He went out and wept bitterly. That is what defines the weeping. You know, some of you are weeping. You're, oh, God. Mm. Oh, okay, God. No, that's not what Peter did. He was to stop. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Did this happen? I thought it would never happen. Broken. Disappointed frustrated, felt rejection. And at this point, I need to just really add John, the beloved. What a great guy. Because leading up to this moment, all the disciples had fled, except John and Peter. Peter, in the meantime though, is done this betrayal or denial. But as, as much as we know in scripture, with the bitterness of how dejected and disappointed Peter was. We are told in that kind of scriptures that John received him. He received Peter. Fellowship with Peter. And together with Peter went to the tomb. Huge. 
I pray that God will give us friends in our day of trouble. I pray that God will surround us with men and women of godly character in a day of trial. When everybody says, ah, oh, look at this look at this guy. And we thought he was a tough guy. Look at him. He betrayed Jesus. John stepped in. I know the spirit is willing, but your flesh was weak. But I will not labor you by what happened to you. For every David, may God raise up a Jonathan. For every Paul, may God raise up a Barnabas. Because when Paul was destroying the church and persecuting the church, even after he became born again, people still labeled him as the destroyer. In fact, Ananias, that God sent to go and get him born again, said, God, do you know, who, do you know this guy's CV? Do you know his resume? You want Paul to become born again? Do you know who you're talking about? This, this is a murderer. This guy arguing with God. So much so after Paul became born again, the, fellow, the, the brethren were running away from him because they didn't trust him. But he took an apostolic figure, a father figure, in Barnabas to step in and said, this man is, is all right. May God find people around you who will uphold you, bless you, encourage you in the name of Jesus. May God send to you helpers of destiny, men and women who will not hear what the world is saying, but will see what God has purposed for your life and he will come alongside you, encourage you, and walk the distance with you in the name of Jesus. So, having said the background now, back to John chapter 21. Ah, no, 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 John 18. Let's go back there again for a minute. So we all can be on the same page. John chapter 18. Oh, hallelujah. Verse 25. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, you are, not, you are not also one of these disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I'm not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in a garden with him? Peter then denied again. And immediately a rooster I am so amazed at the awesomeness of God whereby every one of his creation pays enough attention to him where they obey him to the minute. Jesus said to Peter, he didn't say a rooster will crow, he said the rooster. There was a divinely appointed rooster in Jerusalem And the only purpose and the reason of his existence is to fulfill the word of God. And while men were failing God, while men were disobeying God, this rooster was in position. Waiting for that divine hour to strike so that he, the rooster, can enter into the annals of biblical history. And in that precise moment, after Peter had denied Jesus three times, the rooster took his own script The rooster may not have known the reason for which he was ordered. The rooster may not have been aware of the purpose that he was fulfilling in that hour, but it doesn't matter. And all of us can learn from this creation of God. They don't ask God any questions, they just obey. So for Peter, the rooster crowing was a reminder of his uh, how can I phrase this? Was a reminder of the fact that his self-reliance will fail. He had trusted in himself. He had believed that he would never abandon his father, his Lord. He had trusted so much in his bravery, in his courage, and all of those things. When the other disciples fled, he didn't flee. So he was sure and certain. And God wanted him and any of us who will be used by God to know it will not be by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It will not be based on what you know. It will not be based on how strong you are. It will not be based on your, uh, on, your, on your stand or on your position or your status in the society. No, all of those things are good in the human arena. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, they mean zip, nothing. So for the rooster to crow, it was to bring Peter back to who he used to be. To remind him, Peter, I told you, right now, even though you are sincere, you cannot follow me yet. Not follow as in being my disciple. No, that's not what he's saying. We'll get to that in a minute. But he needed to to be reminded. However, 
there was a second meaning that was that escaped Peter. You see, when you and I are in the heat of trouble, we don't process everything. What you and I know now, Peter did not know then. All he knew was that the rooster reminded him of his failure. And that's why he went out and wept bitterly. But God ordained for that sound to be made by the rooster because not only did the rooster remind Peter of his failure, it also reminded him, or rather was also intended to remind him of his future. Roosters, for those of us who have ever lived in the country, they don't crow in, the, uh, in, in, in broad daylight. They only crow at the dawning of a new day. They'll crow when the old day is passing and a new day is coming. So whenever you are in the countryside and you hear the roosters crow, you are reminded a new day is coming. So what God was saying to Peter through the crowing of the rooster was, yes, your flesh has failed you, but don't camp on your failure because the crowing of the rooster is also intended to tell you there's a future ahead for you. My plans for you are plans of peace and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. The rooster crowing, Peter, is to remind you a new day is dawning. Your failures are behind you. You cannot go back and make a brand new yesterday. But in today, you can make a brand new tomorrow. So don't focus on where you're coming from. Don't focus on your failures. Don't focus on the past. Don't focus on your limitation. Focus on the fact that a new day has come in the name of Jesus. And I pray for every man and every woman under the sound of my voice. I don't know what you brought to this room this morning. I don't know what's aching or plaguing you up to this moment. I don't know what past you had. I don't know what problems you had. I don't know what issues has been pursuing you. But one thing I do know. This is the dawning of a new day. Their roosters have crowed and the roosters are crowing on your behalf. That devil cannot have you. That devil cannot sift you. That devil cannot stop you. You are greater than the devil. Greater is he that is within you than he does in the world. I don't care what the obstacle is. I don't care what the mountains are. No matter what they are, the power of God in you has come to give you victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Victory belongs to you. Amen. But unfortunately for Peter, even though God had set it all up, he didn't get it. You and I have the benefit of revelation. But he didn't. So he went out and wept bitterly. Now, John 21, verse 3. Peter has his gang. The gang of, I don't know what you can call this gang. The rejection ministry. The disappointed ministry. Whatever you want to call them. He has denied him. Thomas didn't believe him. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of this? The sons of Zebedee, they are, they are vying for position. So they all came together and said, okay, listen, this man has died. He said he rose for We don't understand it. What is happening? Do you see how quick we can get back to our own vomit? They came together. Peter said, you know what? I'm going to fish him. This Jesus of Nazareth, I'm not sure. I mean, the guy died three days in the grave. He came back, we saw him a couple of times. Now we don't know what's going on. Are we going to sit down here and just rot? All the promises we made, he made, I, 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 you know, I believe in the little bit, but hey, nothing's happened. That could be some of us right now. God has spoken a word concerning you. He's given you a promise about your life. And those promises have not come to pass yet. God does not want you to move. He does not want you to doubt. The fact that it has not happened does not mean it will not happen. It may be a delay, but it's not a denial. You need to understand that God, in your absence, is working everything for your own good. You may not see it yet. Oh, by God. But him that will appear will appear. In the name of Jesus. But Peter said, I'm going fishing. That's all I've known. These three years of vacation with this Jesus of Nazareth, I don't know what become, what's becoming of it. And immediately said it. The Bible says, they said to him, we are going with you also. They went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Nothing! Why do you think they will catch nothing? 
<laughs> they are going by their sense knowledge. We've always fished. I know how to fish. I know the river. I know the canoe. I can, I've mastered the art. I've mastered the science. I may not know anything about rocket science, but this fishing, ah, in my back pocket. Let me go back to what I know, really. What you knew that used to produce now against the will of God, it won't produce zero. It's a new day. The rules have changed, and you need to understand that. They fished all night, cut zero. Nothing. Nothing. Verse 4. But when the money had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. I can just hear the frustration in your voice. What is this madman asking us for food? We've been here all night. Now, by this time, they didn't know it was Jesus. Because obviously they are away from shore. Okay? About 100 yards. So somebody on the shore is yelling, Do you have any fish? You have any food? They said, No. We've been here all night, toiling, fishing. And you ask if you have any food. Is this guy, what, what's wrong with this guy? No, we have nothing. Okay? Let's keep on reading. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Are you kidding me? Please picture this in your mind's eye. These experienced, seasoned fishermen have been fishing all night. They don't have these large fishing boats that we have in the United States. At best, this canoe or fishing boat in width cannot be more than three to four feet. So all night, they've been casting their nets obviously on the left side of the boat. Maybe they even tried on that. I don't know. But when Jesus came on the scene, he just said them switch sides. Just turn to the right. So imagine in your mind how close Brother Bayer they were to their harvest. They were only three or four feet away from their supply. But until Jesus got in there, even though they were three or four feet away, they were still not having any success. Oh, I wonder how many of us this morning are just a tiny little bitty, three to four feet away from your victory, three to four feet away from your healing, three to four feet away from your deliverance, three to four feet away from your harvest, three to four feet away from that which you are asking for. You are so close, but yet so far. You are so close, but yet you need something beyond the distance to bring it in. What was the difference for these disciples? What was the difference to make up for the three or four feet? Simply speaking, they had to hear something. They had to hear something. John said in chapter 10 that my sheep hear my voice. I said it last week, I'm saying it again, I'm telling you the key, the difference between me and unbeliever, between us and any unbeliever, is not how much Bible we know, it's not how much prayer we pray, it's not how much fasting we fast, but the ability to hear the voice of God, the ability to discern what is God saying in this hour. That's why the Bible said that the sons of Ishaka, they were men that had understanding and that knew what Israel ought to do. That's the difference between Moses and the people of Israel. The Bible said Moses knew the ways of God, but the Israelites only knew his acts. They were content to just know results. But Moses, no, 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 no. God, how do you do it? Why do you do it? When do you do it? He wanted to be intimately involved in the process that brings the result. And therefore, can predict what God was going to do. So the key for this man was in hearing the instruction. If Jesus said, turn to the right, and he didn't turn, what would happen? Nothing. Nothing. Cast the net on the right side, and you will catch some. They heard the instruction, obeyed the instruction, and there was manifestation. Amen. Romans 8.14. 
For as many as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I'm not the son of God because I speak in tongues. Devil speaks in tongues. In my village, they do. Which doctors where I come from? They speak in tongues. They call it incantation. Does that make them a child of God? No. Jesus is giving us the full proof of who the children of God are. My sheep do what? They hear my voice. And a voice of a sinner, they will not follow. Simple as that. We make, we make it complicated. It's that simple. Am I hearing the voice of God? Am I getting directions from God? It's as simple as that. So for this man, everything was on the line. But when he heard the voice of God and cast the net on the right side, the Bible said they had so much fish that they could not draw it in. Let me just tell you about this God. How much time do I have? Ah, let me tell you about this God. We've seen him beautifully through the book of John. He does exceedingly, abundantly, more than you're able to think or ask. You need to understand that. If you're praying for one dollar and you get one dollar, God didn't send it. Yes. Not this God. Yes. Oh, no, 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 no. Not the God that I know. At the cane of Galilee, they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said, Jesus, help us. Do something. By the time the guy got done with the miracle, they had over 180 gallons of wine. Beyond and above what they could drink for a week. They just needed enough to get by. Jesus said, no, no, no. If you want to get by, go to the devil. You can go to the liquor store and get by. But if I'm to get involved, I will show myself mighty in your behalf. Beyond and above. In the multiplication of the loaves in the wilderness. Two fish. Five loaves of bread. But it time it got done. Everybody ate and they carried 12 baskets away. Beyond and above. Say, my God. It's an above God. It's a beyond God. Hallelujah. is not just barely getting along. No! That's an insult. Because these guys have caught nothing all night at the instruction of Jesus casting the net on the right side. The Bible said they had such a harvest, a catch, so huge. All of them together could not draw it in. And the nets did not break either. No. And as you read further, the Bible said they were big fishes, not sardines. Because when I'm saying fish, some of you, you're, you're so, you're, you're limited, your understanding of God is so limited, you're thinking of sardines. Titus sardine. No! Big fishes. That's how great God is. Why would anybody not serve a God like this? That goes beyond and above that which you can think or even ask. Hear this. Watch this. Therefore, that is, verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to, to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that, it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. You've got to give it to Peter. You've got to give it to Pete. Pete was something else, boy. In all, just tell him. This is Jesus. What? Jesus? Bang! He gets in the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. Then, as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Now, isn't this amazing? Isn't this amazing? These guys have struggled all night. They caught nothing. Jesus spoke the word. They caught fish, multitude of it. And by the time they struggling to bring it to the, to the shore, dinner was ready. Yes. Hallelujah! Kokoroko! Yes. Kokoroko! Yes. 
guys haven't been over this yet. It's a new day. The day of toiling. The day of sweating. The day of struggling. The day where you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. The day where you're wondering. The day where you're so disillusioned. The day of frustration. The day of disappointment is behind you. In the name of Jesus, it's a new day. They were still struggling to bring fish. Dinner was already ready. Jesus already took care of business. He did not need their catch. He just wanted to make a point. I am the bread and the life. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I am all you need. You don't need the river. You don't need the fish. I am all you need. I am a one package in everything. It's a done deal. Just look to him. Don't look at the circumstances. Look to him. Just look to him. The author and the finisher of your faith. The one who began it in you. The one who will finish it in you. The one who was the first and the last. Hallelujah. Dinner was ready. And then he said something in verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Just bring it. Now watch this. Verse 11. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish 153 and although there were so many the net was not broken after we just read I believe in verse 6 that they could not drag the net to the shore all of them together could not bring it in but at the command of the Lord Jesus to one person, all of a sudden, zoo, zoo, strength came from nowhere. What all of them could not do collectively, one person did under the command and the authority and the, oh my God, and the power of the Spirit of God. I am saying to you today, his command is your enablement. His command is your ability. His command is your success. Oh, hallelujah. All you need is to hear it. When you hear it, you can take it to the bank. All of them together could not do it. He spoke to one man. And Peter by himself brought everything in. Now, it is interesting to me. They were told it was 153 fish. Abba, why not 120? Why not 140? Why, why be so specific? What is, what is, I mean, thank you, 150. Greg prefers 150. God wanted everything accounted for. You see, because this John 21, this visit at the Sea of Tiberias, is not just another visit. Remember what he's doing here. Peter had just denied him a few days previously. Peter has lost his confidence about the call of God on his life. Peter was disoriented a little bit. He's confused about his future. God, you promised us for three years we followed you. We followed you. You died. You went to the grave. We don't know what's going on. We thought the kingdom was going to be now. But now it's defied. You are talking in these parables. We don't understand it. And consequently, after your resurrection, because we've not heard anything else, I went back fishing. I forgot the first call you gave me in Mark chapter 3, where you called me to be what? Fishers of men. Yes. But because I'm disoriented, disillusioned, and confused, I'm not really sure if you meant what you said. Maybe you just said it when I was good, but now that I've been bad. Maybe you've changed your mind concerning me. So I'm not really sure. So that's why I had to go back to my fishing. So Jesus said, oh, you went fishing? I'll okay, follow you there. Oh, God. Yes. You cannot run away from God. Yeah. When God has you on his focus, on his radar screen, you can run, you can hide, but my God can find you anywhere. Yeah. God has divine drones. Yeah. 
no matter where you're hiding, is drawn, is targeted on the focus and the mark, and he will find you. So Peter went a fishing, and Jesus was right there with him. So his visit to this sea of Tiberias was not just to eat fish. He was here to redirect Peter's thinking, to confirm his restoration, to help him know the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. I did not change my mind just because you disappointed me. I did not change my mind just because you blew it. I did not take my God. I'm speaking to somebody here today. God has not changed their mind, his mind towards you. You cannot do enough evil for God to change his mind concerning you. Hallelujah! He has a vested interest in your success. And he will do every and anything to make sure that you fulfill it. So he said, there at the sea. He said, Peter, count it. Because this is similar to what you'll be doing. This is an evangelistic ministry. 153 fish representing 153 souls. Not only that, as big as these fishes are, the net is not breaking. The church will not break. The ministry will not break. Your work will not break. No matter how many souls you bring into the kingdom, there will be enough resources to contain them, to receive them, and to develop them. That was the message. It's not just about fish, because you already cooked. And in cooking for them, they were reassured that, wow, I need some meat. So the fish in the nets was to give them a message concerning the original call. I have called you to be fishers of men. And fishers of men, you will be. Are you following me so far? Wow, I'm going to need at least 20 more minutes to finish this. So, verse 12. Jesus said to them, come come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? (laughs) Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Now, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after I was raised from the dead. Now, we've seen a shift now, verse 15. First, the evangelistic ministry. Catch the fish. Catch the fish. The net is not broken. Now, if you compare this to the miracle in Luke chapter 5, where they had a great catch, the Bible said their nets were breaking. Now, when a net is breaking for a fisherman, what happens to the fish? It escapes. So, this is a contrast. Back then, before this resurrection, is hit and miss. But now, since the resurrection, large fish and the net will not break. So, you're going to bring them in. You're not going to lose any of them. You're going to bring them all in. Now, verse 15. So, when they had eaten breakfast, oh my God. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this? Let's break this down. This is huge. This is huge. This is huge. This is only the second time ever Jesus will refer to Peter as Simon Jonah. He did it in Matthew 16 verse 17. When he asked the question, who do men say that I am? And they, you know, Elijah, this, that. And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Ah! Jesus looked at him. Simon Bajona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father which is in heaven. What am I driving at? Here, after the resurrection, after the disappointment, after the, the rejection, Peter is broken. He needed to hear the voice of God in the name or term of endearment. That would be equal to say, honey. Something that Peter was familiar that ringed a memory of good things. He did not understand the crow. The rooster crowing. So now Jesus had to find something else that he could relate to, that he could understand, that would help him know I'm still in love with you. I still love you. Simon Bajona. The name that Jesus called him when Peter was on the top of his game. 
Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? When Peter was on the top of his game, Jesus called him Simon Barjona. So here, as Jesus is moving and shifting to bring a new and fresh revelation that will bring restoration to Peter, he says, Simon Barjona, lovest thou me more than this? Your fishing ministry, do you love me more than that? Your fellow friends around here, do you love me more than that? Your vocation, do you love me more than that? And that same question is for me and you this morning. Do we love him more than church? Do we love him more than our families? Do we love him more than our automobiles? Do we love him more than our mansions? Do we love him more than our diet? Do we love him more than our pleasure? The latest movie in town, the latest music. Do you love me more than all these other things? You need to settle this, Peter. Why? Notice Jesus never addressed Peter about his failure. He did not say to him, why did you deny me? No. no. He knew what was driving that. Fear. Wow. Fear of his own life. So the only thing that can't fear is love. Yes. Perfect love cast out all fear. If my love was yes. perfected in you, you would not care. But because love was not perfected, fear overtook you. So now, Peter, let's settle this once and for all. Do you love me? And by the way, Jesus was using the term agape. Do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally more than this? And Peter's answer was, I love you or I phileo you. Phileo meaning I have brotherly affection. Jesus was here. Do you love me unconditionally more than this? Peter said, oh, Jesus... I really, I'm, really, I'm very fond of you. Yes. Notice. He denied Jesus. How many times? Three times. How many times did Jesus ask the question? Three times. Each question to, to negate each denial. Remember Luke 22, where it says, Satan has desired to seek for your food, but I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. When you have returned unto me, what did he say? Strengthen your brethren. Now, so you see what he's doing here? We've caught the fish. We've not lost any. So now, Peter, beyond catching fish, you must also learn to tend sheep. Beyond catching them, bring them in. You also now must learn to feed them and tender them and nurture them so they can become strong. So these three questions here is aimed at that. I'm almost done. Okay? Now, Peter never addressed the issue of unconditional love. Jesus asked him, do you love me unconditionally? And each time he said, I love you, I feel you, I'm fond of you. Man, we we, we are buddies. Man, I I have fun, I I really enjoy you. That was as much as Peter said. But on the third time Jesus asked, Peter almost lost his nose. Jesus, you know all things. Listen, I'm bare, I'm open, you know me. You can read through me, you know. This is what amazes me about God. John 1.17, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth through the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though Jesus knew that Peter's love for him was not agape, he did not stop his restoration. Because now, verse 18, John 21, we're almost done. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you gathered yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will guard you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he will glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him what? Follow me. Ah, I don't even cut it. In John 13, what did Peter say he wants to do? He wants to follow Jesus. If you go back and read John 13, that's, what, that's, that's, that's the context. And Jesus said, not now, but later. Yes. You want to follow me? Not now. You're not able now. Yes. Why? I have to die first. Yes. And out of my death, life will come to you. Yes. And when life comes to you, then you'll be strengthened to follow me. Yes. So now, after his resurrection, it, gets, it helps Peter to redirect his thinking. He restores Peter. He says, Peter, you will fish for men. 
You help me tend men. When you are younger, Peter, not young as in age, but when you are younger in the faith, you do whatever you want to do. You, just like now, you just came fishing. You just picked, because you know how to fish, you just went and did it. But the time is coming. When, because of seasoning of your reason and your sensitivity to the spirit of God, others will take you by the hand and lead you where they go. Who's the other? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And when that happens, Peter, you will follow me. Follow not as in serving me, but you'll be able to die the way I died. The courage you didn't have, the fear that overwhelmed you, you will overcome all of it. And we know now, according to history, that the words of Jesus came to pass. Because Peter, in his restored state, first of all was the one that unlocked the key to the church on the day of Pentecost. Can you imagine what they wanted to do? Wanted to rob this man of the opportunity to serve God in this significance. He was the one that opened the door of the church. But not only that, he served God, he was faithful in his calling, and when it was time for him to be glorified or to be crucified, because he died just like Jesus, he was crucified. But he said, you know what? I'm not worthy of being crucified up, right side up. They had to invert his cross. He turned it up. It, it, it was crucified, head down, and legs up. But crucified, upside down. Yes. That's exactly what happened to Peter. When that happened, he didn't deny Jesus any longer. Because now he understood that another one was leading him and guiding him. He had courage and his presence of mind to know that Jesus is who he said he is. Hallelujah. So the new day dawned for Peter. Hallelujah. He did not understand all of it then, but we do. And God now is offering you and I that same opportunity to have a brand new day in him. Yes. You don't have to go back to your old vomit. You can live in victory. You can live in holiness. You can honor God. You can bless God. Yes. You can please God. Yes. The power of the spirit of God is here to make that happen to you. Let's just bow our heads. I just don't want this whole month to go by and us not being able to apprehend the message that God has been giving us. The punchline of which we just talked about the dawning of a new day. I know you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been trusting God, but perhaps there are some here today say, Pastor, I just want a powerful agreement. The prayer was prayed already this morning. But if there's anybody here, say, Pastor, I just want to live beyond my past. My past continues to haunt me. I'm trying to walk away from it, but it continues to haunt me. I believe the word of God. I believe Jesus. But I need the encouragement of my brothers and my sisters. Very much like how John encouraged Peter, how Jonathan encouraged David, how Barnabas encouraged Paul. If that is you, if you just come right now. Let's just agree together. If you say, Pastor, I want to live beyond my past. I want the manifestation of the new day dawning in my life. I don't just want it to be a historical context that I can read about in other people's life. I want it really in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord God Most High. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.